Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey, everybody. We are here for the Rapscallion Q&A. That's right. The second Q&A of season five, because season five, oh, it's a big one. Mm-hmm. It's a big one. Big season five. Lots of questions for a lot of different compartments. So it's better to just pull up them up. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we're just going to jump right in here. Uh, I've got the first question. How far in advance did Tass slash the rest of the cast know about the GM change? A while. <laughs> yeah, it was a while. I initially had this idea at some point in season three. Um, it may have actually been, it was before the end of season three because I knew what I was setting up in season four. And I wanted, if this idea was going to uh, work of shifting to a different game master, that was going to kind of determine um, the game's that I set up for those artifacts to belong in. So it was a, it was a hot minute because I think I breached it to everyone at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was just like, Hey, I have this idea. How do people feel about this? Um, we've got a couple of questions about this, so I won't spin on too long about this because I'm sure <laughs> the other elements of it will come up here in a minute. Yeah. I think, I think the boys knew about it initially because it was kind of like, Hey Tass, would you be willing to do this? Yeah. yeah. And then knowing like, yeah, this would be a good thing to do. Uh, and then kind of it was just talked about at the table. So, yeah. yeah, but we knew it at least like pretty early into season four, if not before season four even happened, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I think that leads to the next question, which is how was the decision made to change GMs, especially since you've never done that within a game before? Really, it was about testing the waters i have no idea if i'm gonna be the one who runs the next like main story like whatever's after coin yeah like whatever's after coin i have no idea if if that will be me um and so i wanted to give the audience at large an opportunity to hear other voices and see like what is that dynamic like if someone else is running it and i'm playing it so that was kind of the justification behind it that and i just thought it would be cool like it would be kind of surprising for the listeners it would give a different you know, tone a different flavor, which is something I'm always striving for in each season that I I want it to flavor wise be a little different. And so I felt like this really added to that idea. Yeah, there's a good chance we'll talk about this a little more too. But, um, you know, it just works out with the way you set it up and the items that would appear and what potential worlds and or games we could use for this. Um, So since I'm running Perilous Tides for the Patreon content, it's like, yeah, let's Let's give that little nod to to those in the Patreon while still making a story that doesn't need that, that doesn't really actually touch on it in any meaningful way that people would need to know. Yeah. What was the process like for changing GMs for a period? 
Obviously, it's a new world, but it's a new world where a major NPC from one GM has been messing around, which seems like it could be tricky. When we set this up, I wanted to have the least amount of input as possible. And so it really was, okay, here's what I'm thinking. You know, Nash is here. This is the thing that he has done. And these are the requirements that it would need, which are things that they as players and as characters already know. And then that was really it. Um, and so that then was up to task of like, okay, do I think that works in like my established lore or do I need this to be just we're playing Rapscallion and it's unrelated to Perilous Tides? Um, what was that process like for you, Tass? You know, it, it was really interesting because even at the point that we decided that we were going to go for it and you pitched it to me, um, like we more or less knew how everything worked, but even then there were still some question about exactly what was happening and why, but we did like, we knew enough to be able to say, Hey, I, I can build these encounters around the basics because we know those basics. So I know what it could potentially look like or what the offshoots could look like different styles of the spells or different mm -hmm. things that might fuel and so on without needing to know like every detail of like what Nash is actually up to. So frankly, like on, on my end, it was pretty easy. It was already kind of going off what we knew. And then I just got to jump in and just make some more pirate shit, which is what I've been doing in the Patreon <laughs> anyway. So, um, yeah, you know, I think we had a few, few minutes of like talk of me just asking a lot of questions about, um, how the, the spells could vary and, and things like that. And, and then we found out some more about that information in game as well anyway. Uh, so, so other than that, uh, it, it, it was smooth. In a similar vein to this question, Tass, how did you and Rev coordinate to make sure you had the right details for the circles and other overarching plot things without spoiling things? I mean, I, I think we've honestly hit most of that. Uh, you know, the only things that I think I uh, approached Rev about were some minutia about things like at what level might he be, um, you know, recruiting in this world versus bringing people over? And is there anything I should be aware of, you know, without spoiling things for me about others that could be here? Or should I just make it all up and we just assume they're part of the, you know, the Nash cult too? And um, yeah, so like really any of the coordination didn't really do much to spoil anything for either of us, both, you know, me knowing things about the main story or Rev knowing about what you all were going to face here. Um, it, it was built by him well enough, completely enough and specifically enough that I was aware of like what boundaries I had and how much I could play with it. I kind of have a question based on this too, like coordinating back and forth between the two of you. Was there anything that you had to keep in mind based on like what Nash would have set up here versus what new Nash like made changes to anything that had to be specified or avoided. Yeah. That was really the thing that, uh, that I was saying is that, you know, Nash has, has set up this thing and the only piece of information that you need other than like, he's come here, he set up this thing is that since he set it up, he came back one other time and made some changes to mm -hmm. it. What those changes are, the people who work for him don't know. Yeah. Like that was simple enough and clear enough that, all I had to do was go, okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's all I need to know. Like, really, I think that was probably the most I asked you about as far as getting detail of like, how long ago was he here? 
Yeah. You know, that, that kind of stuff so that I could get mm. a feel for when you all were asking questions to the NPCs and who's been where, when, and for how long and doing what, I had a clearer idea of that timeline, but the rest was, you know, loose enough that I could just build those spells or like how they were powered however I wanted. Yeah. When, when was he here for the long time? And then when did he come back and how long ago was that for that? Like return jaunt? Cause that also then could kind of key us in on how time works here versus um, the other world when they aren't synced up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause I feel like that's something I have found to be very interesting is that like the whole concept of Nash having this plan in the first place is really cool. And like the, the work and planning that he put in, but to know that like everything has been modified is like another level of like, what does that mean? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. That was something I sort of did. I, I think I didn't realize that I had it in my head in this way until we were in it. And I still don't know if it was a correct choice, but a lot of what you all did as far as asking questions and figuring out timelines and things, I didn't have many people know much about his first time around. Like I had this sense of whenever he came here the first time, it being a lot more subtle with him setting things up, getting people on his side and so on. But then it was this most recent time when he changed things that it like left an impact. Like, I don't know, I I felt an urgency about what he had to get done that made people go, oh yeah, like that guy that came here and did this and left this guy in charge and so on um, had had a, yeah, it just had a bigger impact on the world. It felt a little more harried, a little more urgent. Um, So that was like most of the information you guys got was not so much like what was going on in the first place, but how it shifted and confused everyone recently. Is there a reason you're using an incomplete game instead of City of Mist or some other Powered by the Apocalypse type game? Uh, Incomplete game being here a reference to Rapscallion currently only exists as an ash can initially and then now a quick start. Like the actual game itself is not fully out. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think the the easy one there is uh, we wanted to keep playing Rapscallion. We're playing it in our Patreon. For those of you that aren't in it, we have uh, over 150 episodes of of the pirate tale <laughs> that they, they play in. Um, and so... We said, hey, if we're going to see some varied worlds, let's uh, bring this world into into coin and play in it in a little bit in a completely different context. So mm. um, we've had the honor of like starting that game during the Patreon as the ash can and getting updates as it has been built and like even shifting within the game uh, to the new updates all the way up to this quick start. Um, so that's been kind of a blast to, you know, play in that and watch all the progress uh, as as new versions come out and differences to playbooks and basics and so on. Uh, yeah, and even what we were playing just on this uh, recent arc and coin was kind of a hybrid of what's currently available on the quick start plus content that has not yet been released because Rev, your playbook, and Jake's playbook are playbooks that are expected to come out for the game at some point but weren't included in the quick start because they needed like a final polish yeah and as far as why we started playing rapscallion in the first place i if i remember right we saw it at gen con and it looked neat (laughs) (laughs) we just wanted to be pirates we were very specifically looking for a pirate game because i've got I think two others that we bought at the same time. And that was just kind of the one that we took to. Mm. Yep. 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 The character I built for that while we were sitting around in the hotel is, uh, an NPC in the, uh, in the Patreon game. (laughs) 
was it hard for you all to mentally shift between your coin rapscallion characters slash plots and perilous tides rapscallion characters slash plots? <laughs> I it was not hard for me to switch between characters. It was hard for me to keep track of what details were from which game and world. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That was the hard Even part. for me. Absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, I feel like there were multiple times that we would be like, okay, so like sitting down to record. All right. So last time we did this and this and this and this. And like several of us would be like, yeah, yeah. And then somebody would go, nope, wrong game. We're talking about the wrong story. I'm like, oh, <laughs> damn it. That's right. The other hard part was just literally switching. Like very often we would sit down and pull up our Rapscallion character sheet and it would be for our Perilous Tides character. That, yep. that's the, that was the hardest part. Once we had the correct sheet in front of us, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> With Perilous Tides, we kind of go between like a long spurt between playing. Mm -hmm. So I often have a hard time remembering what we did last time in Perilous Tides. So it was easier for me to remember coin one because I normally am not playing and two because it was the one that was usually fresher in my <laughs> head. Yeah. I've also started taking to reading out the minutes, <laughs> which is just <laughs> my nonsense notes from each previous session. And it's just really rapid fire. These are some nonsense points that we hit and it kind of just helps everyone kind of get in a right. Okay. Okay. This is what we're picking up. Cool. <laughs> They're really good. I think we should have those instead of Rev's recaps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, whatever we play next, whatever new thing we do, I, I vote that that's the, the route we go. So good. It would save you a lot of time editing the episode. It's true. <laughs> I feel like there the danger is like every now and then there's a thing that Megan's like, why don't I have that in my notes? And so it's just it's going to completely evaporate for all of us. Like, <laughs> it's not going to be in the minutes. And then like 60 episodes later, we're going to be like, Oh my God, do you guys remember that hugely relevant NPC <laughs> that showed up at the end of an episode and then didn't make it in the minutes? <laughs> I mean, that happens anyway. <laughs> uh, on to the next is this Rapscallion game, the same world as the one we see in Perilous Tides. And if so, without spoiling anything, how tied to the events of Perilous Tides are these adventures? Did anything here set up the situation there? even as a possible after-the-fact retrofit. So, yeah, it, it is the same world. Um, I don't think it's much of a spoiler to say that there are certainly names you'll recognize if you've, if you've listened to Perilous Tides. Um, I did my best, and of course, it'll be probably a listener that will prove me wrong on this, but I did my best to set it up in such a way that Anyone or anything that was mentioned that you would recognize from Tides is something that by the time you hear that name, you already have context of like what that person is. Mm -hmm. So even if you don't know the full extent of their history or their uh, involvement, you get a context of, oh, okay, like that is someone that existed in the past and um, now I know that if I've listened to Coin first and now listening to this, that that person is someone from Perilous Tides past. Um, so that's that's the big one. That's the closest thing to a spoiler, I think, is that this is, is definitely uh, the distant past to Perilous Tides present. Uh, anything that you saw in coin was probably between three and 400-ish years before the present events in Tides. I don't know if this is parting the curtain too much, but I mean, Tass told us like this is sort of a quantum state yeah. depending on yeah. what happened like because he was like i'm not gonna like 
know, you don't have to end up anywhere or accomplish anything in particular. If you do something that ruins the continuity of Perilous Tides, then this is an alternate world from Perilous Tides. Yeah. Exactly. Which was really nice because there are some things where it was like, hey, this might go really well or it might go really bad. And depending on, you know, it, sometimes if it goes really well, then that's just changing the complete course of things. But we don't have to worry about like, we have to succeed here or we have yeah. to fail. That was nice. Or even like we have to adhere to canon. Like, yep. you know. Yeah, yeah, we were not like a prequel. Like we have to make sure that this thing happens. <laughs> that we're setting this up this doesn't. character that no. we have to make sure that this NPC yeah. lives. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, no. It's the same world until it isn't. And yeah, I mean, I, I think it really did connect enough. Like anything that might be quote unquote contradictory is chalked up to this was like 350 years ago. People are just telling stories for generations. You know, anything that they got secondhand was just, you know, not quite told the right way or, or anything like that. So I, I'm, I'm sticking with it. I think, uh, yeah, it's it was... It's the same world canon past. By the time we went through the portal, hey, it all it lines up enough. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> um, as far as things being set up, even after the fact, um, one of the things that we did kind of implement was that Coin Megan uh, was the chronicler and ended up writing a book that ends up in the kind of starter kit of my Perilous Tides character. So yeah. it's something that was not like specifically planned but i was like when i was trying to pick a playbook i was like oh we haven't featured because i was i wanted to do something we haven't featured yet we you know obviously each play something in perilous tides and everybody wanted to kind of do something new for coin um and so looking at playbooks that hadn't been featured yet the chronicler was one that i was definitely considering and i started thinking about book and that's part of the intro that we started perilous tides with is coming up with names <laughs> for an ABC book of uh, pirates. So yeah, that all fit together really nice. It did. Okay, listener, this is Jake after the recording. I don't have much time. Everything they just said was a lie. I came in as a monkey with rabies and I started killing NPCs and Tass told me I was ruining his lore <laughs> and he slapped me on the hands and he took my notebook. Don't believe anything he says. <laughs> oh, that Jake. <laughs> either i don't say another word for the rest of this or we need to like go get my neighbor and have him do the rest of my part and just hey jake welcome back <laughs> hey friends all my best friends that i work with for a number of years um rev since the concept of the show is the players playing versions of themselves why did you choose to play landara instead of playing a pirate version of yourself i look I didn't choose Landara, first off. <laughs> the simple answer there is that Rev couldn't go because he had to cast a spell. Yeah. He's the person who's running the spell. Now, what did happen is that <laughs> once we got to that point, I said to the crew, who do you want to go with you? Like, who do you think would be a, a cool person to go with you if Tass couldn't go? And they decided or unanimously uh, and I, <laughs> yep. unanimously. I was like perfect okay so I made a playbook for Ori I made a mini for Ori we were all down on Ori we got to the recording tasks got frozen they carried him to the table and because Landara and Ori are the two guarding the thing and Landara's like oh god you're you're down a guy do you want me to come with you and Jake went I don't see why not. <laughs> kind of turned into this conversation. Of, Ori has like a sister, and like we were like, boy, I now that doesn't seem uh -huh. like such a good idea. And so the scene that you heard of the argument between Landara and Ori about who was going 
happened in real time at the table. And then we had to pause and I went and made a playbook for Landara <laughs> because it was like after the fact, it was like, well, of course, Landara would go. And she I always go back to this thing. You know, Stephen King always talks about how if you try to make a character do something you don't want them to do, they're simply not gonna. And I was like, this is one of those moments where like, yeah, it makes perfect sense that it would be Landara. And she spoke up and everyone was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> and so just despite what we decided out of character, the world decided something different. Mm -hmm. So we got Landara. And uh, the world will never see uh, Ori's Matalo playbook, which was oh, yeah. the like lycanthrope uh, yeah, special big class. Big buff shirtless Ori. <laughs> I'm very sad. <laughs> <laughs> How was the feeling of Tass doing a solo monster hunt that had ties to Tass's final arc facing the beheader and whatnot? Dude, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. That's how it was. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. As of right now, I haven't actually finished Tass's solo arc because I didn't want to know anything that Tass was going through uh, while we were recording that. And so now I'm kind of catching up. Mm. Uh, so I actually don't know how it ends. I hope he makes it. <laughs> I mean, he lived clearly. Uh, oh, okay, cool. Thanks, Kim, for spoilers. I guess we, now I don't need to listen to it. <laughs> look, nobody checked my mind. Okay, it's true. So. Actually, yeah, we haven't done that. <laughs> you don't know that he's not possessed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. No, yeah. it was it was uh, it was cool. Um, boy, I don't think there's much in the world I find scarier than whatever's going on in my head. So I knew it was <laughs> going to be. I knew it was going to be a good, uh, interesting kind of flow there so yeah that was cool that's just always one of my favorite things to do when you can sit down and do a story arc one-on-one -on -one with somebody while some bigger thing is going on it's it's just so much fun there's there's just something nice about being able you know monster of the week is about spotlighting the characters and you all play as such a good team that you share the spotlight between yourselves readily and so it's nice to be able to like force the spotlight onto someone for a while and spend a little bit of time with them. What was the timing of recording Tass's solo Monster of the Week adventures versus the Rapscallion game? It seems like you would have needed some of Tass's game for Kim's Unleash a Power, but obviously couldn't do Tass's end until Rapscallion was about done, given Rev's alarm going off. So we recorded, and this kind of gets into the next question, we recorded everything that you heard in the order you heard it. Yeah. So when Tass had us an end of session, I was recording next Tass's mini arc. Um, and so, yeah, normally in the past, that might be something I would have recorded out of order. Um, but I didn't this time because I thought like, oh, that would be kind of a cool framing device of they've done a story arc end of session now here is you know part one of tass's little three-part story um and so yeah when kim did that move we ended up doing that as a pickup because we were just about at the point where we were going to record tass's next section and so i you know we just put a a, a marker in there and i came back and i told i think it was i think it was the next literally the next weekend yeah. um that i told kim what she saw and then we picked up for that scene from there. Yeah, exactly. Like I rolled my Unleash a Power and then we sort of ended the episode and then you two on your own recorded the Rev and Tass stuff and then like first thing next Sunday, it was like, okay, here's like the kind of spark notes of what you saw. Now roll Investigative yeah. Mystery. Yeah. Yeah, there was a, a lot of conjecture about how is this gonna go, especially when we figure out, you know, what all needed to happen for everything to be okay and just knowing like, oh, okay, well, hope we don't eat shit on this. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the timing of it all was something that I 
I went back before our final recording because, um, you know, the final recording was Tass's end of story as they have all gone through the portal. So I went back and I knew that, you know, 60, what was 65 days 65 had passed. Days, yeah. And so I went back and I looked at how much finished audio we had gotten of Tass. And I decided like, okay, if I were to do, you know, two minutes a day and I remove all of the the minutes versus days that have happened already, it would give me this. So this is the timer I'm going to set. So, you know, the last episode wasn't exact in that same time sense because it was unedited. But I liked starting with that, like they have succeeded and this will be hugely beneficial to Tass and something's going to happen that he's going to notice unless he has pushed too far past that point before they have made that thing happen. Mm. So having that timer to know when that was going to happen was was a fun moment. Yeah. And just the look on Tass's face <laughs> when the timer went off, the fear into him seeing like the transformation in the demon not realizing it mm-hmm. turned into a very different smile from Tass. Oh yeah. It that was <laughs> on so many levels terrifying because it was first terrifying that I thought my phone alarm was going off. <laughs> so I'm like Oh, I'm just an asshole here at the recording table. So that fear. And then that went away. And then it was the fear of Rev has a timer going off. <laughs> That's not good. And then, and then, yeah, it ended up being very good. So, yeah, because you must have led him on for like after that timer went off and you realized what was going on. That scene went on for at least two or three more minutes of you just setting him up <laughs> to, to <laughs> execute him. Yeah. <laughs> How did Tass's segments with Rev schedule versus the main timeline where Tass was running the sessions? Yeah, it was what we said before that it was almost entirely in the order you heard it is how it was recorded. Yep, either Rev and Tass would get together like during the week and record it on their own time or like we record on Sundays and the rest of us would just be told like, hey, don't show up for the first hour and a half while Rev and Tass yeah. recorded by themselves. Hey, don't show up. We're making real art in here. We don't need you <laughs> How did everyone feel about the solo mystery that Tass was on? Anyone wish they could have done more to help out or something? Nah. <laughs> no. I don't know. Or something I like. Not really. I <laughs> wish yeah, I could have. Like, and I, uh, you know, I at least got to like investigate, but man, like, I, I wish I could have just like astral projected some good vibes into his head or something, but you know, that's not the way the moves work. <laughs> I'm I'm happy I didn't want to help out. Um, in a, in a meta sense, it's always very funny to me when there's something that it's like, narratively, we should be doing this, but for whatever (laughs) meta reasons, we're not, and we can't, and we're not going to, and that cracks me up. (laughs) And I think it's way funnier to just lean hard in the other direction of like, rather than being like, oh, I wish there's something I could do about it, but here's a contrived story reason why I can't just to be like I'm never going to address this <laughs> Tess is fine <laughs> let's keep going listen we all as characters in this game we all have object permanence if it's not the thing we're directly focused on God. it's like oh we got to make sure that we do the thing for Tess I'm like who <laughs> I mean even out out of character like I was saying I love I love the solo episodes because I love knowing that there's something else going on at the same time that I'm trying to focus on something that I don't have any connection to, but is kind of a parallel story. And 
the eventuality of those coming back together and having that conversation with somebody who's telling me their side that I have no context for is so funny and so much fun to like role play because I can genuinely be like, I don't know what you're talking about. So all of my reactions are real. (laughs) And it always happens to Taz. But like every time, you know, he's in a dream sequence or he's, you know, talking to some alien in his mind or whatever, you know, whatever. I'm like, (laughs) wait, what? Taz, what? (laughs) What are you doing? Or even just being like on my side of it, like the episode that I did early on with Rev, where I went to uh, the the vampire house with Anastasia and kind of was like a training thing mm. where like both the, the boys were sitting there at the table, couldn't do anything because they weren't with me and just had to watch <laughs> me struggle and flail and like <laughs> fail roles and not have anyone to like roll help out is so stressful and funny. Like, I think it's hilarious. (laughs) Am I the only one who hasn't done a solo thing in Monster of the Week thus far? Yeah. Well, season five's still going, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Every five. It's long already. It can be a little longer. (laughs) From now on, every time Kim gets a chance, she's like, I'm going to go check out this by myself. I'm going to go by myself. (laughs) I wait till everyone leaves. take that move. From the mundane yes. that lets her get kidnapped yep. and get experience. Hope I don't get captured. Hope I don't get captured by a menacing but handsome NPC. <laughs> That's the other thing. I everyone else has gotten people who flirt with them, and I want a fucking love interest. <laughs> so would there be anything you all would want to take back to Monster of the Week from Rapscallion, mechanics, or gear? I tried. <laughs> <laughs> it turned to sand. <laughs> we were trying to get those knuckles you, back. You did I did, bring some I did, stuff I did back. get to bring uh, the books, but as far as like spoils, I was like, get Tass a present, mm-hmm. get Jake a present, <laughs> and throw them in my backpack, and now it's full of sand. <laughs> <laughs> Which for Jake is still a present. That's true. I can make my own beach at home. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I, I tried to set you up with a man-eating parrot that you could take home, but nobody, oh boy. nobody wanted to take it. It ate human, Tass. Yeah. It ate human flesh. Of course I there's, don't want to take it. There's lots of bad humans. That's out. what I'm made I'm, of. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm made of. I can't have that in my home. I have a cat that tries to eat me on the regular. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Um, I think mechanics wise, I think it is cool that, you know, we have act under pressure in monster of the week. Rapscallion assumes you're a badass pirate and you just do badass things. So there isn't really a move for that. You want to leap across the ship and, you know, challenge someone to a fight. That, part isn't a role if you're trying to like leap across the ship and break in and grab something then it you know turns into a break in but just the act of doing something cool that looks flashy isn't a role the way that it might be in monster of the week yeah yeah that's pretty awesome going off of that the i loved having access to theatrics for a similar Mm. reason because my character in monster of the week is not what i would consider to be a terribly martial character uh but and so that's why i was really interested in the swashbuckler uh, in Rapscallion, that and also the idea of someone who was like very passionate and kind of like constantly crushing on people also spoke to a different part of me that felt very true for mm-hmm. Kim. But it was very neat to have a mechanic in the game where I just I got hold and then I could just spend them to be like, no, 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 no matter what, no matter what the situation is, I'm going to spend this point and then I just get to narrate a cool thing that I do. Off of that, a mechanic that I really like in 
Rapscallion is luck, like granting each other luck for doing something yeah. really cool uh, or impactful. Yeah. Like we have luck in Monster of the Week, but it's very much like a precious resource that has consequence when you when you use it. It's a great reward, but it comes at a price. And luck in Rapscallions is so much like a the thing you did was so cool or like so like ingenious and out of the box or like really heartfelt and like really made me like struck a chord with me as players together being like, I am recognizing something significant that you did and I want to give you kind of like a boost forward whenever you would choose to use it, especially since it's such a like mechanics driven resource as well. A lot of the moves say spend luck to be able to do this thing. Yeah. There's also, you know, some of the stuff in Landara's playbook would be really cool for the wronged. Like if you could take damage as the wronged and give yourself plus one to like the monster that you're currently facing like the idea of 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 taking some damage taking some negative effect to be better in the moment like those two things pair really well in my head mm. yeah that's uh that's sort of the hard case oh yeah yeah the new one with the way the what is it called fire the or fire something? track yeah yep. they they yeah. like take harm they put themselves in the way of danger they have they build fire which is like its own resource um, yeah. And also, like, if your teammates take harm, you build fire. But basically, all the bad things that happen, like, enrage you and make you better when oh, you need wow. to bust it out. Yeah. I don't think I've carefully read the new revised. Oh, it's so good. And then you yeah, can spend cool. fire to give yourself bonuses, like, kick some ass or, like, do more damage and, like, stuff like that. Yep. Yeah, I, I think I had one at every table this Gen Con. Every game wow. I ran, somebody picked the new hard case, so I saw it a lot. And mm. they did a lot of the coolest stuff that happened in any given session. Yeah, I had one and it was just like, I had to really like re-familiarize myself with it. But I was like, this is really cool. One of my yeah. founders was the hard case for a while. Nice. Mm. That one's very much one I have uh, had for a while. Well, since essentially since last year, Gen Con, um, just set aside for the main show for, for coin here. If uh, I need a playbook shift for some reason, mm -hmm. um, mm. that one's definitely been at the back of my head uh i liked the chronicler's like book that i started with uh that i made kind of be pirate megan's version of jinx but the pinch of salt and other superstitions <laughs> i'm always a big fan of moves that kind of let you rube goldberg your way into things um so I had a lot of fun being like, what am I trying to get out of this? What coincidence could I make occur based on just the situation that has been explained and I can narratively justify it? Um, I don't I didn't love having to roll Unleash a Mysterious Power every single time I used it because that ended up being kind of yeah. rough. But yeah. the concept of the book and how the book worked, um, especially the condition of like invoking knowledge uh, of, of the which is something that. Jake had helped me kind of develop was the idea of this book and its conditions. And it was just really cool. It was a really cool thing to, to bring into that world. Yeah. You got some traction out of that too. Yeah. Uh, similar point. Is there any gear you'd like to have earned from other worlds? Like the stuff you gained from Rapscallion, anything that could have been taken that wasn't thought to take or something you'd have built for other worlds that had been neat to retool for monster of the week. Uh, I mean like the cybernetics we had would obviously be cool. To bring back to Monster of the Week, the cybernetics from uh, Sprawl. The Sprawl, thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff in that. A lot of options for that. That would have been nice. The only other world my character has been to beyond the other world that I started in was Starhold, uh, and there was a lot in Starhold that I found really frightening and probably would want to take. <laughs> that, that can that can stay there. 
Um, no, but mm-hmm. our clones. I wish we could have taken our clones back. I was so I was very sad when they either turned into monsters or when we tried to uh, fly away with our clones. They just sort of raiders the lost ark to themselves in our vehicle. Um, it would have been nice to take making Tass back. Uh, there was a moment where I had considered trying to manipulate events to get one of the eggs back just to like have it on ice somewhere for whenever (laughs) I could take a playbook upgrade to um, have a, have like a pet ally. An ally. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I was like, nah, that's a lot of, that's chewing a lot of chew leather to get to that. So. Hmm. Oh God. It would have like imprinted on you. Oh Oh, yeah. I was just as it was sleeping under your or like he hatched it as it was incubating <laughs> under your bed. Oh yeah, Rev run, it's like, what uh, can it do? Tass runs do? really warm, so that would have actually yeah. worked perfectly. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Stop, everyone, stop talking because I feel like you could just invoke this later, we and we'd all we go with it, it anyway. Like, <laughs> look what I snuck aboard uh, the. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I found him under my pillow. Can I keep him? What was your favorite world you played in this season, either from a game mechanics perspective or a storytelling perspective? And what was your character's favorite world? I just, I love Starhold so much. Like, it's just such a good game. It's it's put together so well, even down to the names of the moves that are hilarious and great references and things like that, all the way to just the way it works. It's so damn good. So, I mean, I, it, it's easy to say that one um, because, you know, I was <laughs> I was running the other world we were in and, you know, I'm <laughs> well versed in it. Of course, I'm excited about that. But, you know, I, I, I do the I do the pirate shit a lot. So it was <laughs> fun to immerse in a, uh, a horror sci fi. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge overall sci fi guy like that, that. You know, there are certainly some things I like, but like sci fi horror so good and and rev does creepy stuff like that really really well that like you know even though we were in a group that still that feeling of isolation and dealing with it with a dark threat um is so exciting so that that was cool and i i think in character too <laughs> uh yeah starhold uh was far and away my favorite world that we've been to thus far in season five um it was, you know, since playing it years ago for a Let's Play, it was really nice to get to revisit that world. And I thought Rev really rocked the space horror of it all. Like it was it was so fun and so tense and just fun to play in. And despite the tension, it was still like an enjoyable time at the table, which like is not always the case when I'm doing something mm. like dark with like strangers. So it's like the vibes were tense, but the vibes out of character were good. And that was really nice. Um, I can't say that was Kim's favorite world that we went to. Can't at all say that. Um, her favorite would definitely be Rapscallion because she got to like do acrobatics in like a cute outfit. <laughs> oh, and sh- and she and she got to meet like another Kim. How cool is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that. That was really a neat point of like Kim getting to meet another version of herself and having it be yeah. like a visions kind of like party. I think it's really a testament to Starhold that it was my favorite game to play in personally of of just the environment and like how stressed I was, but it was just so (laughs) immersive. Um, But I think it's really a testament to how much it was my favorite game and how much it was coin Megan's least favorite world. Um, Because yeah, absolutely. That was 
terrifying and stressful and scary, especially with like, there was so many points where we we're like, we may die here. Like this is this is it. Um, if we have some really wild schemes and if they don't go exactly right, everything goes to hell. Um, I'd say Coin Megan's favorite world is M- Monster of the Week. Like coming back in there, I feel like she's really gone through a, a transformation of being like, I don't know how to control these powers to actively missing them when we go to other worlds. Mm-hmm. So I feel like even Rapscallion, like she was like, I'm doing what I can with these books, but I can't like, you know, messing up roles of like using fox-eyed which is kind of like the closest she could get to telepathy and not knowing ex- exactly how the man- magic transfers between worlds and being just really kind of lost in that and then getting to come back to monster of the week and being like i'm back baby i know i know what i'm doing i know how to i know how to do this here and she's feeling like more and more herself and like comfortable in her shoes so that, that's her favorite world this season hmm. I also want to shit on Tass and say Starhold. <laughs> no, no. We just we, I, we play pirates all the time. Exactly. Yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. like it's not it's not fair because we know the world that Tass has made and we play it in a different game and we fucking love it. Mm-hmm. And there it's our world. Mm-hmm. And in this one, yeah. it wasn't. We were outsiders stepping into it. Like we the players know the world, we the characters do not. Yeah. So I feel right. like inherently we are so biased towards the the perilous tides version of this world that we know, love, build, inhabit that like this other one, it's like, oh, we know this, but we're coming at it from an outsider's perspective mm-hmm. and thus comparing it against the other one, it feels less than and therefore Starhold, even like comparatively to that, feels so cool because it's so fresh and so unique and we're not like comparing it against another instance of itself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I love running Starhold. I think it is my favorite thing I've run. There's just something about the style of it that I really like that I did not like. Oh, I did not know this about myself. It was just there were things in that game that was like, I really like this. And it, it is not the genre I thought I would be into. Man, well, I've I've said this before. I, I don't remember if it was on a Q&A or a, a live thing or just sitting around the table, but... Um, you know, you're not someone that generally is drawn to a lot of horror. You don't, you know, see a ton of that. So you're not inundated with the tropes the way so many people are. So your ability to still feed in, like, you know, what's scary, you know, what creeps people out, but both in like the way that makes it intriguing in a story without actually making people uncomfortable at the table, like you hit all of those marks without the eyes of someone that's seen every single horror movie that's ever made. And, and so like you just subvert those usual tropes in a brand new way. And so Mm. it makes it especially jarring in that way. That's exciting at the table and not like gross or, or unsettling or whatever. Like it, it, it makes it fucking scary, man. I found interesting is talking to people when they listen is the idea that like, oh, did you, were you familiar with this thing? Is that what you were kind of, of making a nod to or a parody to? Is like, no, I did not know that thing. But it goes to show that like that genre and these tropes exist because even if you don't know them, you might get drawn in that direction anyway. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like to do, to do a parody or a spoof or use a trope that is from something that you have not seen, but because the source material is written so well that it leads you to that. Yeah, sure. Um, and it's very cool. And you, you know, even if those things, you know, were, were brought up, um, 
I never felt like we were running through something and I never felt like, oh, like I'm in alien. This right is just now, like or, that oh, scene I'm from in, something. Yeah. 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 I never, never once did it. Did I feel like I know where this is going? And mm-hmm. that's what's that's scary, scary yeah. about it. Yeah. Those are, those are the special dark twisted depths of Rev's unique mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was it? We're, oh, that was uh, Bone Spear yeah. where you guys ran into something and you were like, hey, is this from that thing? I was like, I haven't no, played No, it was the yet. point where we were, <laughs> no. we were exactly like, you cannot thing. tell me this man has never played Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom. It was, like, <laughs> it was like, all of this is straight out of Tears of the Kingdom and he's never played the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Uh, Landara loved Rapscallion because she became a full-fledged human being with a character she yeah began. and she hasn't been that since dungeon world she's just been kind of a two-dimensional yeah cardboard cut out um listener yeah, you couldn't see the out. great arms that rev was doing <laughs> was but he was doing a fun <laughs> puppet motion i was kind of doing like the gur arg from the old oh. uh, buffy <laughs> yeah um so yeah that was that was very cool it was it was fun to go back and look at landara's dungeon world character sheet and like see what i could translate onto this new one uh, so that was fun mm-hmm. Yeah. If you all had to run an arc like Tass did, what game system do you think you'd run? Any game system. Don't feel like you have to limit yourself to Powered by the Apocalypse games. Ooh, that's a good question. I think I'd want to do Rapscallion too. (laughs) (laughs) I could do it better. (laughs) I I feel like I could do Rapscallion, but I could do it right. (laughs) I I was just thinking of doing it like I'd make everyone say that was their favorite world. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm going to go. You know what? I'm going to answer this anyway, because I have Mm. other games I would love to see. And I'm still talking in coin, Mm -hmm. right? I... I would love to run Power Rangers, the the TTRPG, mm. <laughs> and have you guys step in and as yourselves have to be Power Rangers and fight evil. Oh my god! I would want to do, I think, Root. Ooh. Yes, mm. I think you'd be so good at that. I don't have a lot of games that I feel like I would feel confident in doing, like an arc or a campaign. Not like. You guys know me. I'm a one shots kind of girl. I'm, you know, learning kind of the ropes of campaigning. But like to the thought of like dragging everybody through something that I'd have to like plan out, it, it'd have to be cute or I'd be so stressed out. <laughs> mm. You'd be really good at Wander Home, too. Yeah. Mm. Which is the other animal one with, with mm. playbooks, but there's like no violence in it. No, I want some violence, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm not sure how well any of these would translate as being like a world that we go to in coin, <laughs> but I would happily run Monster Hearts. I don't know if any of you would be into it because it does involve a lot, a, a lot of flirting with other people and other characters. Oh, I'm down with that. I've never well, played. I know it. you are, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> just you and me. Let's just all go to. Uh, we'll go to our own world. We'll take a girls' yeah. trip to our own world. <laughs> We'll make our own world. Blackjack and hookers. Yeah, boys not allowed. I just I just need to know going in that that's the bit. Yeah. And then I'm good. Yeah. I just can't be foisted upon me. If you present me like a very organic opportunity, I cannot I cannot take it. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Monster Hearts would be really fun, which is kind of like um, Riverdale, but if you're all, you know, like monster archetypes in high school, it's it's very it's very enjoyable. Um, I'd want to do the Between, which is a Powered by the Apocalypse slash carved from Brindlewood game that is basically like Victorian Gothic horror, so like very Penny Dreadful. 
Um, and I'd also be down to do Good Society, which mm. is a TTRPG that is kind of like Jane Austen slash Bridgerton inspired like Regency England, where like all of the drama is just basically sort of like social engagements and like rumor and scandal. And there's a whole like letter writing phase where that you can so spend part neat. of your day. Yes. So so yeah, so <laughs> I'm I'm just really into playing as fancy people or people who just like really want to fuck, I guess. <laughs> those are those are my niches. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of overlap there yeah, too. That's true. <laughs> if I can wear a corset and flirt with people, that's the game I want to win. I want to do. Uh, I'd be interested in doing something in the gumshoe system again. Mm. Like mm. I was, I I dipped my toes in when we did bubble gumshoe, and like I didn't feel like I had a total grasp on the system still. Um, and I mean, like I still don't right now, but it still intrigues me, and I like mystery mm -hmm. um and that seems like such an interesting way to run mystery i'm trying to remember i don't remember who was there something at gen con this year i looked at a book that i was like oh this sounds interesting and then saw that it was a gumshoe like used the gumshoe system and i was like oh yeah i saw that too i feel like it was at that same like indie press revolution table yeah. but yeah, i cannot remember what it was but yeah i just think that's such an interesting concept of like you're gonna find the clues that frees up a lot of space to like make the how mm -hmm. interesting or you know like make a lot of the other adjacent parts interesting without worrying that you're not going to solve the mystery i would really want to do um and i've been talking about this game forever i still have not found a good time to like learn it and i the actual plays that i found of it don't explain it well enough for me to grasp it like that's the best way for me to learn games is to, to listen to someone else play them is our last best hope I think that would be a cool world. You all jump in and it is a, a game that plays off the trope of like Armageddon and uh, Deep Blue Sea and um, Impact. Like it is a natural disaster. You're a team of unlikely scientists and adventurers put together to save the world. And not all of you are necessarily going to make it, but you could. Um, I just think that would be such a fun like jump into a world and shit has hit the fan and it is not a series of things. It is here's the one thing that needs to be done. Can you accomplish it? That sounds super cool though. I, I and I know what you mean, but I do have to say, wait, what did, did you say deep blue sea? I did. Okay. And that's not what okay. I meant. I was going to say, cause that's yeah, I was gonna say deep blue sea was not a natural disaster. That was yeah. very much scientists <laughs> messing with nature and nature being like, I'm hungry, get in my belly. What's the, um, Deep impact? What's the deep okay. impact? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Deep impact. It's like I was like deep sharks are nature, so I guess technically. <laughs> you did say deep and blue shark sea, and then you said impact. But if we put those uh, together, and deep blue sea impact. And... <laughs> Sharknado. Sharknado. <laughs> I mean, that's a natural that's, disaster, yeah, that's, right? That would have been the third thing that happened after our hurricane. <laughs> if you could get a second basic weird move as an improvement and a third as an advanced improvement, so so two more, uh, and or build a personalized rote from the hex, what would you take for your characters? Even a custom weird move if you have one in mind. So like, what's another strange, unusual thing magical or supernatural that you'd like to be able to do i mean for a rote that's easy i would want to make a like essentially a misty step like i want to be able to teleport line of sight nice nice i think like a spider sense like there's that's Ooh. already sort of in maybe the initiate yeah. i'm trying to remember yeah. one where it's like you're right where you need to be when you need to be there mm -hmm. but that move is 
built to kind of retcon and like, you know, put you somewhere no matter how impossible the odds. And I like more the idea of like, just, you know, something bad is happening or immediately about to happen, but not necessarily that you're right there where you need to be in the nick of time. Just, mm. you know, in advance. And if you can f- fix it, then that's on you. Mm. I like that. Uh, I would take like kind of like weird science, but I think less science focused, just kind of what I was talking about earlier with it being kind of like you can just make stuff with whatever you kind of have handy and just hot glue together something or, you know, Rube Goldberg a machine to work however you think it could maybe apply to this situation. Um, For a second weird move, I could imagine with with my with with the current task state um taking no limits um that would seem to track i think a rote i would want i don't i don't know how it how i'd word it exactly but something to like show off the magic of the weapon of the of the shotgun to make it so that like the payload will go around corners and shit like almost like a marking a target and if there's a path for the bullet to get to it will. Mm. Um, so, you know, probably again, like a rote where I'd have to like cast it and it's only good for the next shot or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Also, I want to turn into a Kaiju. Is that a weird <laughs> move? Can we make it's that? It's definitely weird. Yeah. Yeah. Dope. Um, going off of the established weird moves. Um, I think sensitive could be an easy one that I could see coin Kim taking in terms of just picking up like, except not necessarily flavoring it as like, like psychic, uh, like vibes, but more so like reading auras probably, um, as well as illuminated, but that's just mostly because I love secret masters and I think it's so fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just Strom just whispering behind her. Yeah, yeah. Strom's. Yeah. Oh my god, Strom's absolutely a secret. Strom's a secret master. Or Strom knows who they are uh, a thousand percent. Um, in terms of something custom, I would be interested in getting something that was a reflection of the corruption ability that my character initially had in Urban Shadows, which was that like I can spend a point and then basically ask the GM whatever I wanted. Um, But maybe flavored more like uh, the augury spell in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, which is like sort of like throwing the bones and then asking the GM a question about an action you're going to undertake in like the next 30 minutes. And the GM gets to like respond in like one of four ways as if like this will have positive results. This will have negative results this will have good and bad results uh the cool thing about that is that if you keep spamming that ability like uh multiple times a day then there's like a 50 percent chance that the answer that you get is completely random which is fun uh, <laughs> yeah the only other like kind of custom weird move that has been in my mind is the ability to you know it, it's something about sensing the almost like what jake was saying with a spider sense but being able to roll and know like ask the gm what level of the countdown clock you're at oh that's neat and like on a on a full success like knowing what will trigger the next step of that so this almost seems like it might be like a seer Mm -hmm. a special that i'm kind of describing but yeah that's neat i realized what i was just describing is maybe just kind of like a reflavored trust your gut but not relying on myself just relying on like (laughs) the universe (laughs) It's like trust your gut times advanced investigative mystery. Yeah, yeah, kind Mm. of. Yeah. Um, And you don't necessarily have to start your players at the first step of a countdown, right? Like 
you could drop your players into phase two of a countdown or later. For sure. So yeah, like yeah. even knowing like, okay, where are we in the countdown now? And where were we when we arrived? Like where, uh. where did this countdown start versus where we are now? Oh, or yeah. even like learning, like theoretically when a keeper has a countdown, they have like, you know, this time, this is the event. If you could like learn the old events, yeah, what had that's happened. really yeah, that's, cool. that's really cool. Actually, that could be an interesting seer thing, especially because there there is a seer move already that lets you see the midnight. So being able to like see the midnight initially and then be able to be like, all right, where are we on the progression towards that? Yeah, midnight? yeah, and uh -huh. like it, I feel like it also like it would tell you if you're making a difference yet. You know, like yeah. what yeah. was what was phase one on this clock? And like they tell you and it's like, I mean, I don't remember that even happening. So like yeah. maybe we broke this countdown from phase one. Like maybe we've totally yeah. thrown this countdown off or something. Or be like, okay, phase two was this thing. Well, that definitely happened. And this is what was connected to that. So we know that these things have significance and have importance. So yeah. we can maybe follow that path a little more closely. Hmm. Uh, next question. Was Megan's mermaid ring a delightful coincidence or a planned excuse? Excuse for what? <laughs> Save your items. She's always baby. wearing it. <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah. I've had it since since Dungeon World, right? Or no, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't Dungeon World. It was just going through the different bubbles. Yeah. Dungeon. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah, I've had basically just had it ever since then. I actually was looking for an opportunity to use it in Urban Shadows, but it didn't mm -hmm. pan out, really. It wasn't necessary. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, there was a point in, in Rapscallions when we started, and I was like, I just jump into the ocean, and I've got a mermaid tail. And Tass, like, at the table was like, oh, my God, that, that's <laughs> oh, yeah. right. I was like, yep. mermaid city. <laughs> So good. He's like, all right, as you try to swim, I'm going to need you to roll up. Nothing. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> nope. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think probably that's the best item that has that originated <laughs> in a different game system and then crossed over. Yeah, that's been very useful. <laughs> so useful. And I appreciate that, like, you guys know not to change that. Like, oh, it doesn't work here or something like that, because I would be so angry <laughs> if I got to an ocean world and I didn't have my mermaid ring. <laughs> None of us are even allowed to even think about borrowing that ring. <laughs> Jake stole it while I was passed out for a while. <laughs> yeah. I was like, how dare you? <laughs> like, I'm sleeping with my fist so tight. <laughs> <laughs> she she shows up wearing a cast we're like oh my god what happened she's like i'll tell you what happened you're never stealing this from me again <laughs> uh yeah so just hold on hold on to your items <laughs> you never know when they're gonna come in extra use <laughs> remember what you've got in your inventory <laughs> yeah um okay uh what process did you go through to select the accents for the native people versions of your characters oh um it really is just tied to uh, that. That is kind of a tie to Perilous Tides. For that world, uh, I literally took the map and sectioned it off and had a general idea of uh, if people came from certain areas, what sort of accent would they have? And um, some of the characters there lined up with like Kima, for example. So uh, that already made sense to keep that accent across from that game into this one when dealing with the Seaborn. And then I, you know, made Kim do it. This question got asked a few times on the Discord. And I think because it got asked on the Discord, it didn't get asked in the Q&A. I do want to throw out that when we were recording these episodes of Coin, Tass voiced Kima for all of the scenes initially. 
because Kima had information that I couldn't possibly know. And then Rev would isolate those scenes and then send me, you know, a couple minutes of pickups that I had to do every episode. And so I was just literally imitating what Tass did and recording that for a pickup. Plankton had such a cool environmental factor with its spinning layout. Where did the inspiration for it come from? And did it stress the players out as much as it did the listeners waiting to hear what area of town they would pull Doc into? (laughs) It didn't stress me out at all. Maybe it should have. (laughs) I was more concerned with the fire, so. Yeah. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of fire. Um, I I don't know. I, I, I thought about it like if you're looking at this town from above it would look like a giant ship's wheel and wanted to try to make some cool pirate shit so that's that was the the sort of inspiration there was a a ship's wheel of a city for them to play in did you start with that visual in mind or did you start with the name plankton because it was funny Uh, i started with the visual and then i tried to figure out what it was called and was like oh yeah like it's made that's why it has this kind of weird rickety style it's because it's all these ships just sort of boarded together and then i gave myself a a heckin giggle about it and (laughs) went with it um yeah i didn't feel any stress thinking about where we would pull in i don't that frankly this is the first it's occurred to me that i should have felt stress or could have felt (laughs) stress about where we were going to pull in i was just long for the ride yeah i felt stressed once i failed the role to park the ship but other than that i was i was like this is cool (laughs) until it wasn't (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, like we we heard like wait for like the red ships or whatever, and so we knew we were just gonna wait until the we saw that color spin around. So I wasn't super worried. Actually, parking seemed to be the the issue, but I, I wasn't worried about where we ended up. <laughs> yeah, we we had a guy and on the Kim's inside. Used to that living in LA. So. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I'm terrified of parallel parking. <laughs> I mean, and that really was like, what? Which which choice do I go with? Do I have you on that fail? you know, misjudge the timing and you essentially get forced into the wrong district or do you get to the right district, but it's a, it's a bad situation. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember. I feel like I rolled a die on that. To, you? To 50, 50 that I, I know. You do yeah. often do that. Tass often, if he's not sure which way he wants to go, he'll roll a die. Yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, I guess I don't remember which one I did on that, but it ended up being a, a hilarious way to later make use of the hull of a ship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it worked out. It worked out great. Yeah, I think we didn't have enough information about what we were sailing into to be properly, like, scared about where we ended up. I think, in general, there was just kind of this vibe of, all right, we got to get in and just figure out where we are and find who we got to find. Like, we're not going to be familiar. We don't have the blueprints. Like, we don't know anything. So we just got to be aware. And then everything went to hell. So it didn't matter anyway. (laughs) Yeah. And like the level, like what we found there, and I'm just speaking for myself, but when he was like, oh, yeah, there might have been like a, a mutiny at my home or whatever. What we found there was not at all what I expected to have found there. So there was not a level of fear, like now knowing what I know about what the town was like, then I think my character would have been, if he's like, oh yeah, there's an infection going around and a bunch of people are infected and they're going to try to capture you and eat you. And there's only one district that is safe. Then I might've had some anxiety about where we're going to park. Yeah. But yeah. as far as we knew, like, yeah, I left this place alone. I left a dude in charge. He was my right hand man. Everything should be okay, but I've got to head back just in case it's not. Yeah, I thought we were just dealing with just like a simple coup or something. I was not anticipating a bunch of like undead soldiers and yeah. Which honestly I think is more scary because 
if it's just people who are like, we've taken over, that requires a lot more like being careful or talking your way out of things. Like everything's on fire. You just got to run and be faster. It's just a bunch of skeletons. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can handle that. Fine. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of our questions. So thank you for joining us for the Rapscallion Q&A. And, you know, as a, as a little treat, enjoy the outtakes <gasps> from Rapscallion. <laughs> and we will see you uh, next week. We've got to evacuate the people off that other ship before it ends up underwater. And I start climbing into a cannon. I say, shoot me over there. Yeah, all right. I've seen a fastball special. <laughs> she shoots a dead monkey. <laughs> Landara just splatter paints the other boat. <laughs> we're horrified and we're like, why did we think this would go any why other way? This would work? <laughs> I, I love I love just I'm not going to ever need my move to bait you into doing something stupid because you're just going to do it. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity to use this. And you're just like, done. I mean, when you say condensed, my first thought is like bullion cubes. <laughs> just... <laughs> now you got a stew going. <laughs> oh, Some calamari, delicious. Oh. Megan's brought spices. That's true. I've got... <laughs> That's true. Oh I have my... a bunch. <laughs> we're, like, we're like, we don't want to kill this thing. We do want to eat it. <laughs> Listen, we just came back from space where it was nothing but gross protein bars. Yeah. We're so hungry. This might be just a me problem because we're getting close to dinner time. I'm like, yeah, let's <laughs> yeah. 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 They're okay, going to be so able I to tell that we recorded this right before the lunch break. <laughs> what, like, where does alcohol come from? Is there alcohol produced in this town? Is there a way to determine that? Let's do a pub crawl. We'll go to the tavern. We'll get a flight. I love we'll head things. down to the pub. We'll sneak back to the well. We'll dump in one flight. We'll go to another pub. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's all gastropubs because it's made in the intestines of this monster. <laughs> oh, no. So we're just going to dump a bunch of burgers in there. That'll also oh. muddy the waters. Little cheeseburger sliders. I love it. They'll make me sleepy. <laughs> now you got a stew going. <laughs> Alcohol and cheeseburger sliders in that well. And now it's a real party. I think as we're having this conversation with the Admiral... Um, <laughs> Landara's eyes just keep slowly drifting down to Kim's sword, then like back up to the Admiral <laughs> and back down to the sword, like trying not to acknowledge it. It's just kind of casually bent over and is wrapping around your ankle. <laughs> Please stop staring at my tentacle. It just seems like you mean business. It's got a handle on the end. <laughs> I don't even enjoy like eating the same ice cream multiple times in a row. And this guy's just singular love in the world is getting people pinned likes. down, ripping their heads off and throwing them off of bridges. Yeah. Good He's for him. All don't knock it. until you try it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you don't get a title until you've done a thing enough times. <laughs> you know, He's got his 10,000 hours in. Yeah. Well, this is by invitation only, right? And plus ones. Damien. Damien. <laughs> He smiles with two mouths. <laughs> <laughs> I, huh, I never noticed I that about you. <laughs> nod in jealousy towards me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. I did notice that. Um. <laughs> this poison enhances the body's production of bile and forces the blood out of the body at an extreme temperature that evaporates it, leaving the body just filled with bile and no blood. Oh, my God. Um, and again, this is something very specific to giant kind. That for some reason, their bile ducts connect to their veins. Don't worry Don't about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Look, if we could understand the physiology of all these creatures, it'd just be science. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm not a giantologist. I can't say that you're wrong. <laughs> 
How is it an advantage? <laughs> <laughs> One's just like right behind the other. Like, <laughs> He's stuck on this. You're not vertically aligned or anything. You can do two times the nibbling. <laughs> yeah. If there's two tongues. Are there? <laughs> I don't <Tongue> know. <laughs> Every time we say prisoners, it makes me think that they're our prisoners. <laughs> I thought that earlier, and I was like, I can't think of another word, so I'm just going to stick with what we've been saying. Landar is just like, you there, take the prisoners to the dock. And they're all like, no! And Landar just like winks at one of them. She's like, I'm just fucking with you. But I don't know what to call you. She's like, I don't know your name. You're the prisoners. I'm going to need all of your names right now. She's like, I don't know your names, and I'm not going to ask. You're we're all to have a team name. What do you think it'd be? <laughs> I will lose track of something important. Oh, do you have anything in mind there? No. I'm going to lose this tail, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I lose track of. I'm just like, where'd that thing get off to? <laughs> Dipped up inside of you. Uh, I mean, I can oh, tell you. No. Oh, God, it's an innie. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I just did, just wanted to share with you guys, I just did maybe one of the dumbest things I've ever done in my entire life. I was looking at my dice. They both got the Gen Con emblem up, and I waved my hand over them like three times, like how like a magician would. Uh-huh. And then I was disappointed that they were the same. <laughs> you know that you're not actually the spell slinger. Right? I, was, I was like, oh, normally they're different. Well, that's because a fucking magician did something with them. And I didn't. This isn't what happens in the movies. Anything you want me to pass on to him? A knife through his ribs. Nah, done. She gives you a hug. Oh, I hug her back. start to melt into one. <laughs> I guess I'll smother her. That way I did do it. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. She walks over and puts a pillow on Maddie's face. Maddie struggles for a while. Then she picks up the water cooler, shatters the window, and jumps out and Jesus runs away into the woods. I never saw her again. <laughs> hey, what the hell's your deal? <sighs> oh, okay. I'm stuck trying to understand how a skeleton hisses. I'm like hissing as we go by. I'm like, does it need skin? Is that just off the bone? Huh. Uh, I think you get the idea that when they open their mouths, it's the wind like going through their <laughs> <Just> open <laughs> cranium, and yeah, it can be opened with force. But she has some magic that lets her manipulate the rock easily, swiftly. I know a magic that lets people manipulate the rock. <laughs> it's money and ego, <laughs> and they'll let him. They'll do fucking anything. <laughs> yeah. You hear that, Dwayne? <laughs> He's God. never going to guest star now. Come at me, Dwayne. <laughs> Jake Purley's got your number. <laughs> Here's his number yeah. in case you guys want to <laughs> talk. would like to have words. <laughs> Jake, what the fuck? I don't know. You're adorable. I don't know. Oh, God. Oh, good. You can talk. Thank God. Well, it's got his voice. How do we know it's got his brain, his thoughts? Uh, uh. It's him. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a good proof. So does that prove it? What? What did we put on Colvar's tombstone? <laughs> That's some season two shit. What are you doing, Jess? I shouldn't ask that. I don't remember either. <laughs> Tass and I are just sitting in the backseat just trying just to just like, get <laughs> a vision, just squinting, clenching, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. both of them at the same time. Um, That's the best. <laughs> don't use me for that. <laughs> Fuck! Amazing. Yeah. Mm. 
is an interesting energy. I've laughed so hard in the last couple of minutes. Um, so I think I will spend a luck. All right. And can you remind me what's your luck ramification? Oh, the Council of Wizards. Yo. The Council of Wizards. <laughs> the Council yeah. of Wizards. <laughs> Good old Council of Wizards. Love hey. the spell flinger. None too pleased. You come up above ground and why can I never remember this motherfucker's name? Al. 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 It's so simple. <laughs> so That's why. Maybe, yeah. I believe you were the one who initially introduced it because this was in- Oh, I'm sure. Cowboy World. When you yeah. played Strom, you yeah. named yeah. That's where that's Al. where Al came from. Al. Listen, just because yeah. I name something doesn't mean I'm going to remember it. <laughs> Mood. I think we got to start by really considering the um, the indoor plumbing rule. Are they on board? Do they know how to use it. I think it's a good one. Should you should look at that. Hmm. What about things that don't defecate? <laughs> Man, she's got you there. Yeah, I got I got nothing. Is it just like do they have to use it or just that they understand it and would be like, yeah, that makes sense. I they there it is. That's the distinction. Okay. Very good. Like okay. a like a ghost don't poop no more, but yeah. they know how toilet work. Yeah. Maybe. I guess it depends when they died. <laughs> <laughs> there are some illnesses that can pass through this the spiritual world. Sometimes you get ghost poos. Really? No, I don't know. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I'm probably. I thought just you're so more you're so much more tapped into the mystical here. I thought maybe this was hot new information. Did you see a ghost poo floating by? <laughs> <laughs> they haunt the toilets. Yeah. They haunt old toilets. <laughs> That's true. I mean, there sometimes you got like a real shitty job. You're like, if I was boss, this place would Yeah. And then sometimes though you become boss and you're like, haha, oh, I regret this. Oh, you've all made a mistake. I get this it now. Worse. I am <laughs> Power hungry. <laughs> <laughs> You're all on my list. The very top. We cut a new deal. He will stick to the deal. Look, I don't know what the new deal was. The new deal was a series of tax breaks put into place by. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not human, but it sure looks like a human. Really? Yeah, I can get inside the chest. I saw men in black and the, the little guys. They have, oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah. It's a, I'm bigger than them. Or it's a, the whole chest cavity. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Can we get mech bodies? I mean, you gotta get a little smarter. Oh, okay. Hey, you want to like fist fight? Kinda, yeah. All right. Go get this thing. Okay. You can tell that this is a weird filler episode because I'm just like, oh, fuck, I'll go with it. <laughs> I got no place to be. <laughs> <laughs> that the way for you to sell this, that people here are gonna think that it was Hazel, you gotta spout a piece of information that's like personal to her, something that that Hazel would say. I'd really hope my daughter or I doesn't get eaten by <laughs> <I> mean... <laughs> <laughs> Uh Okay, so... Like, I don't want to get into a conversation with... Okay, so... Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> Whoop! I changed my mind! Save I changed that my mind! The outtakes. It's uh, so instead. Yes, it's uh, so. That's how I start a conversation. Fuck, that almost killed me. <laughs> oh... The Crit Show is a Crit Show Studios production, edited and produced by Brandon Wentz with music by Jake Purley. You can find more information about us at thecritshowpodcast.com. To keep up to date with upcoming live shows, contests, and other special events, follow us at The Crit Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For even more weekly content, join us at patreon.com slash thecritshow. Thank you.
the Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. In the alley, the scent is stronger, overpowering. As I watch, the overhead lamps flicker and wink out one by one. God damn it. No. The girl appears briefly under the last streetlight, the headphones snug against her ears, the Walkman clasped to her hip. She's oblivious as she walks, lost in her own world. Hey, stop! I need to talk to you! Then she's swallowed up by the darkness again. Helen, wait a second! (laughs) It strikes her in the gloom so fast she barely has time to scream. She falls into the edge of the lamplight and lies there, bleeding, motionless. The man's skin is scaly, flaking, and there are patches of soot on his cheeks. He stares at me with eyes like midnight. Eyes that are devoid of remorse, devoid of humanity. He's one of them. I turn and run, and I don't look back. The Road of Shadows, a new mystery and suspense audio drama by Mark R. Healy, creator of The Strata. Listen now at theroadofshadows.com.